Hey, everybody. It's so good to be with you again, Inspire. Once again, I really miss our being able to come together as a congregation and assemble in one place. We're trying to make the most of it and use live streaming. And what has been really exciting are the many, many people who might not come to the weekend services or even the, the midweek service who are now joining us online. I want to welcome all of you and say thank you so much for being a part. Uh, I like to send out a daily text message to the members of uh, Inspire Church, as many as we have their phone number, that is. So if you're not receiving it, please call the church or go online and, and uh, enroll in the text messaging service. We never bother you. All we, I do is I send out a daily uh, word of encouragement and a prayer and a worship song that I'm listening to that morning so that we can kind of help build our devotional life and continue going in the right direction as a church together. And that's the key word. Because you can have a lot of people even in one place and them not be together. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, that he would be there in their midst. And so I hope you'll join us. And I pray that God is watching over you and keeping you during this challenging time. We serve a good God. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to speak from the subject, God is good all the time. In our text in Matthew 20, verses 8 through 9, Jesus told a parable about a man that went out during the day a number of times to hire workers to come work in his vineyard. And then this remarkable text of Scripture in verse 8. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning from the last to the first. And when those who came who were hired about the 11th hour, that was the last group of people hired, they only worked one hour, they each received a denarius. The story goes on to say that every person who worked that one hour was paid the equivalent of what all of those who had worked the entire day had earned. Jesus told this story about laborers who were paid a full day's wages for one hour's work, and the response was astonishment. How many times has God done things like that for you and for me? I mean, paid us, blessed us so much more than we've ever deserved. I can answer the question, how many times has he done it for me? <laughs> That's easy, more times than I can count. And those don't even include all the incredible experiences in other people's lives. All of these things indicate the nature of the God that we serve is a good God. There isn't a single person that is listening to this, not a single person in your living room right now or your bedroom who might be watching this who hasn't been on the receiving end of God's outrageous, lavish, unexpected, and undeserved kindness. What is more, we experience these blessings every single day. The psalmist said in Psalm 68, 19, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. The God of our salvation, Selah. And Selah is thought to have been the ancient city of Petra where travelers, caravans stopped in the middle of that horse desert to kind of replenish the energy they had expended. And they would pause and spend a few days there. And what it has come to mean is, stop and think about it. 
So God daily loads us with benefits and the admonition of the psalmist is we ought to stop and think about that because the truth of the matter is we're prone to think about a lot of things that aren't always so positive. Things go bad. Things turn the wrong direction. They bottom out. We have a tendency to focus on those. The news media has learned that. And that is why they, they put so much negative news in the, uh, on the screen every single day. Negative news sales, not positive news. And yet the goodness of God is being poured out in innumerable and many and bountiful ways upon us constantly. When I read that verse, I remember an uncle that I had that had one of these big gravel trucks. And I'm talking about the long kind with a hydraulic lift and the whole thing. And, and they would fill that up with gravel. And one time I went with my cousin, my uncle's son, who was the driver. And I watched him as we pulled up to the place where this was to be dumped at a construction site. We were directed. He put that that shift into low, double low, and it just kind of went wall and backed up. When we got to the right place, he got out and pulled that lever, and that big hydraulic piston lifted that back of that huge dump truck that was longer than normal up, and all of that gravel slid out. And as I became a child of God, and read this scripture, I remembered that experience. And you know what? In my mind, I could see God saying, where do you want it today? And putting the gear in double low, and backing up. And every day, every morning, there are new benefits because he loads us. That's what the scripture says with benefits that are poured out on us constantly. God is good all the time. And if you want to see God for who he really is, there are several ways you can do that. A good place to start is in his word. Listen to 1 Chronicles sixteen thirty four. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Psalms 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalms 100 verses 4 through 5. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love is eternal and his faithfulness endures to all generations. Moses pleaded, listen to this, with God. God, please show me your glory. He was asking to see God for who he really is. So do you know what God did? You know what God showed him in Exodus 33, 19 through 20? We see God's response to Moses' request. God said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name Yahweh before you. Moses asked to see the glory of God. You know what God showed him? He showed him his goodness, something so wonderful and so powerful that when Moses experienced it, his face began to glow with an inner radiance of an importation of the glory of God's presence that he had just witnessed. When Moses asked to see the glory of God, God showed him his goodness. That is the glory of God. God is good. God is amazing. What is God's goodness and how do we define it? Because we sing about it often. We say it, don't we? We hear and preach about it and we tell others about it. But what do we really mean when we say that God is good? 
Do we really understand what makes God good? Or are these just tried expressions that when times of trouble come, we'll forget about those and be tested by the severity of the moment? Let's think about the goodness of God for a few minutes right now. The Bible defines God's goodness in two ways. One has to do with his character. The other focuses on his action. Psalms 119 and verse 68 captures both when it says of God, you are good and you do what is good. The first half of that verse focuses on the fact that God is by nature good. And the dictionary defines good as virtuous, right, kind, commendable, of the highest worth or reliability, beautiful, bountiful, benevolent. That's who the God we serve actually is. And the enemy doesn't want you to know that. He'll try to blame every bad thing that happens in your life upon God. And yet God knows nothing but goodness and his thoughts toward us are filled with goodness. But because we're describing God and using the dictionary term, you need to understand this goodness ascribed to him is even raised to a higher level than we human beings are able to experience or know it in each other. Our goodness is always flawed. His never is. Ours is filled with selfishness and self-centeredness and sometimes even anger. But God, in his goodness, you will not see anything but the purity and the radiance of his love for us. He alone among so-called gods possesses this character. The gods of the ancient world were little more than caricatures, deities with human-like flaws. If man became angry, the gods that they worshipped were known for their anger. If man could lust, the gods they worshipped lusted. They fought. Literally, the gods were portrayed as fighting among themselves. Study the gods of the ancient Greeks and the gods of other parts of the world. But the God we serve is a God that is good. And dare I say it, he is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. That is why when you refer to these gods, they're always spelled with a little g. But the God we serve is spelled with a capital G. He's Lord of all. Think about it this way. God is the original definition of good. He was good before time began. And that means goodness has to be defined by referencing his character. He is good in and of himself. For us, goodness is a quality that is added. We were born in sin and shapen in iniquity. And over the course of our lives, we have to deal with our character flaws. But it comes naturally to him. God is the greatest of beings, and that is why I'm not ashamed to say he is the best thing that's ever happened in my life. He's the lily of the valley, the bright in the morning star, the rose of Sharon, and the fairest of 10,000, and a friend that sticks closer than a brother. There are not words to describe who he is, and this is exactly what Jesus meant when he said in Mark 10 and 18, no one is good but one. And that is God. We call all that kind of things good, don't we? This gumbo's good. You see, I'm a Cajun. He's a good guy. She's a good friend. That was a good sermon. The weather's good. The car's a good car. We call many things good. But what we call good on earth 
is not always perfect. In fact, usually it isn't. It's less than perfect. God alone stands in a category by himself where superlatives used to describe his goodness cannot be used to apply to anything else. Then there's his character. Because how do we know the character of a person? As I've mentioned. Let's redo that one part. How do you know the character of a person? You know their character by their actions. We don't judge people. Their fruit judges them. Jesus said the tree is known by its fruit. So the second part of the definition of how good God is has to do with what he does. And the Bible is filled with stories and examples of his goodness. God is merciful to a fault. His love is never ending. He is faithful and caring. But even more, our lives are filled with the stories of how good God has been to us individually. And sometimes we don't even see it. We don't. We stumble all over his goodness, get up and brush off our knees and go on our way. We never notice how good God has been. He's kept us through things that could have destroyed us. He's helped us survive things we wouldn't have made it through without him. And we're going to get through this crisis that America and the world are in with this coronavirus too because good is who he is. God is always generous and giving his love for us extravagant. He gives us his love even when he knows we don't deserve it and might reject it, yet he keeps on loving us. We ignore him and take him for granted and still he cares. God always has our back. Jeremiah 29 verse 11, God said, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster. Did you hear that, beloved? Not for disaster. Plans to give you a future and a hope. That's because God is good. You're the object of his affection and because of his divine nature, all that he expresses comes from an expansive, overwhelming and God-sized generosity towards you. This is who Abraham knew God was. David spoke of it. He was moved by God to write Psalms 145, a hymn of praise that celebrates God's goodness expressed in the creative order. And in verse 9, he said, the Lord is good to everyone. Did you hear that phrase? Everyone. Everyone. There's nowhere in the universe you can go and not experience the goodness of God. And as I close, I want to say this. There are three benefits that you receive when you acknowledge his goodness. Psalms 107 and verse 31 said, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Whenever you worship God, several things happen. When we give thanks to him for his goodness, we're giving thanks because he deserves it and because he is good. So that's the first thing that we have to bear in mind. It's based on him, not what you're going through. And if you will worship him and ascribe goodness to him he will bring you out of that situation that's what i want you to know we give thanks to god for his goodness because he always reprocesses and redeems what we go through god is the great recycler he recycles the evil meant to destroy us and turns it into something good joseph said you meant it unto me for evil but god meant it for good 
And we give thanks to God for his goodness because great opposition always means that God has something great in store for earth, us. 1 Corinthians 16, 8 through 9, Paul told the church, I will pray or I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost for a great and effectual door has been opened to me and there are many adversaries. We give thanks to God for his goodness because when there's great opposition, it means a great breakthrough is about to come. Remember this, big doors swing open on little hinges. Big doors, little hinges. And if you're facing little opposition, it probably means that there isn't a whole lot going on right now in your life. But if you're facing great opposition, it means that God's about to give you a great breakthrough. And Father, I pray that that will happen right now in the name of Jesus. God, I want you to touch hearts and lives cover them and protect them give them breakthrough in their health and their finances and their marriages and in every aspect of their life we ask it in jesus name amen